Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Friday Five, my weekly roundup of the good and useful stuff from the world of well-being. And if you have been following my social media channels recently, you will know that I have been dipping into the wonderful world of potent and powerful plant extracts, herbal supplements and more to help maintain my own levels of well-being and fitness, not to mention mental health. And with our immune systems raised to priority level one status right now, I thought it would be timely to pay a visit to one of my all-time favorite herbalists, Sebastian Pohl, the legendary plant guru, medical herbalist, founder of Pucker Herbs, those wonderful tea folk and more, as well as the founder of a couple of new and very interesting plant-based initiatives, the informative and evidence-based herbal resource website called Herbal Reality, and a new medicinal seed collection project called Earth Song Seeds. While still serving on Pucker's board and mission council, a trustee of the Fair Wild Foundation, as well as numerous botanical advisory board positions, Sebastian is a truly wise soul. And I, for one, especially admire him for his in-depth knowledge of not only Western herbalism, but also his knowledge of both Ayurvedic and Chinese traditional herbs too. Take a listen as he joins me here on the Lizard Wellbeing Show to discuss the benefits and attributes of the very many plants we should be paying a special attention to right now. So, Sebastian, such a warm welcome back. It's been years, I think, since we last spoke because I think, do you know, you were one of my original guests and contributors when I first started the Lizard Wellbeing magazine, which is at least five years ago. Hi, Liz. Great to be with you. I know it's been some time. I remember we got together and discussed your launch into health. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you have been busy, busy. I mean, pucker teas, uh, I, I see everywhere. That's obviously going hugely well. So congratulations from one brand founder to another. I know it's not an easy journey. Are you pleased with all of that? Oh, yes. I mean, it's been the, you know, one of the biggest blessings in my life to start with a simple idea and then for so many other people to love what we do. So and, and it's been great to be part of the the health movement, really, and contributing to how we grow our food and the organic movement. So, yeah, it's been really rewarding. Because you've obviously been in this game, as it were, for a long time. Let's talk a little bit about your background, because you're very unusual, I think, in the world of herbalism, in that you bring together the Ayurvedic and the Chinese disciplines to Western herbalism. How did, how did you kind of start that, that interesting mixture? I mean, it was, you know, one of those sort of life 
path uh, experiences that, that came together through travels, meeting different people. But essentially, I got interested in the food I was eating, how that made me feel. And then I started through practicing yoga to learn a bit about Ayurveda. And I came across the wonderful, simple, but expressive language of Ayurveda, which really teaches you like your blueprint, if you like, and it gives you a, a way of describing the qualities in your life. And yeah, I just fell in love with it, really. And So I, Ayurveda being, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, the Indian form of herbal medicine and, and lifestyle in general, sort of natural health and well-being? Absolutely, it is. You know, the, it's the traditional Indian medical system, probably the longest continually practiced medical system in the world as well. It's interesting, isn't it? You, you you say that and that really puts it into context because I think so many people here in the Western world are quite dismissive of some of these ancient traditions and ancient forms of medicine, thinking that we've got all the answers here in the modern high-tech age. But of course, these practices do go back for thousands of years, don't they? They do. And I, you know, I think a lot of modern medicine uh, is based on the traditional wisdom, you know, the fundamentals of, of daily health, but also many of the drugs we use today, I think, you know. 120 or so drugs that are pharmaceutical medications are made directly from plants. So I, I'm interested in a more integrated approach. I think, you know, there's, there's good on all sides and there's, there's wisdom and um, clinical evidence on, on both sides as well. So I think it would be good if we found a way to include, you know, herbalism perhaps as a more um, inclusive approach to life. So it's more of a preventative daily practice in a way. And then you've got a pharmaceutical, surgical input if, you know, trauma and accidents happen. Yeah, it's, it's not either or, is it? It's, it's integrating. And I guess that's the word that we're hearing a lot these days when we talk about functional medicine and mm. holistic health and well-being. It is this integrated approach that brings together the best of both worlds, don't you think? It's, it's just makes common sense, doesn't it, really? You know, how do we educate ourselves, our children, our families, our society to know how to adjust our health and our mood and our energy on a on a day-to-day -day basis. And for that you need some some basic empowerment around knowing what exercise to do, what foods to eat. But also from a plant-based approach, you need to know what plants you can include in your life to, you know, improve your digestion, improve your sleep. Uh, support immunity, for example. So I, there's so much potential there. I, I completely agree. And if, talking to you now, somebody who's been in clinical practice for over 20 years, when you use a blend of Ayurvedic and Chinese and Western herbal medicine, are there commonalities in each of those systems? Are there herbs, for example, or plants or um, activities that kind of crop up in each of those three really quite different systems that, that have a common thread towards well-being? There are, you know, in, in, in a way it's this use of similar plants in different cultures in the same way that almost, you know, proves the efficacy, if you like. But plants like licorice are found in, in a, you know, Western uh, Asian uh, and more Chinese traditions, uh, plants like dandelion as well. Um, so there is, you know, quite a quite a lot of commonality. What's it interesting as well? Some of the words that they're called are the same as well. So there's a plant, um, a motherwort, that we have in Europe that is uh, used for anxiety and uh, uh, gynecological issues, and is also a slightly different species, but um, uh, or, or member of the family. Um, 
in China, also called, it's called Imu Sao, which means healing mother's herb. So you get this mother wart, which means healer in healing mothers in, in European uh, culture. And so you get these, you know, similarities, like licorice as well. It's called, you know, um, uh, glyceriza, means sweet root in Greek. And uh, it's called sweet stick, yashti madu in Sanskrit. And it's called sweet stick in Chinese as well. So, you know, you get these sort of similarities across the world. That's so fascinating. When you think about the history of thousands of years ago, these different cultures and people who didn't travel, didn't communicate, you know, they weren't online with each other, exchanging documents and and research studies, actually identifying the same plants and using them and getting the same results in the same areas. I mean, that that is a massive kind of global early clinical trial, isn't it, in, in, in itself? It is. I mean, you know, the history of medicine is, is largely the history of herbal medicine. And there's incredible yeah, potency and um, within plants in nature. And it's like they've got molecules in them, natural plant molecules, um, or an energetic profile, you could say, have been heating or cooling. And these qualities, you know, come into our bodies. And, you know, we're a part of nature as well. And there is a, a, an exchange of communication, if you like, a crosstalk between the, the plant compounds, wisdom or intelligence, some people may say, and our own uh, molecular interaction at a cellular level. That's really interesting. And I think a lot of us listening, and you know, myself included, totally get the fact that plants are made up of very interesting chemical constituents and, and phytochemicals that have lots of activities. And we're used to the understanding that a lot of what we now use in, in conventional, if you like, allopathic medicine comes from many of the ingredients like salicylic acid and aspirin, for example, from the willow tree. But when you start talking about energetic qualities, I mean, to me, that is, if I was being devil's advocate here, that is when it all sounds a little bit woo-woo. How, how can you explain that? And, and how do we actually know that that is a thing? Well, I think it's experiencing nature. So, for example, when you taste a bit of ginger, you can tell that that ginger is warming. It's got essential oils, volatile oils and resins in it that cause a warming sensation in your body and you can feel and know that it encourages your uh, internal circulation and your peripheral circulation so you know it increases your metabolism so it's really just a a lens that you're applying to the world you know if you apply a singular molecular reductionist lens then you will only look at the qualities of plants at a molecular biological uh, molecular level really whereas on an energetic level you're looking at it from a sensory point of view and it's something that you can access, everybody can access, because we've all got taste buds, we've all got uh, senses to experience the nature of things. You know, it's a bit like some people are more attracted to warm weather that's uh, humid, and some people really dislike warm, humid weather. So it is about understanding that we have our own patterns, our own independent characteristics as, a, as an individual, and that we can find a way of meeting a world that would best suit our pattern, if you like. So if you feel the cold a lot, you know, surround yourself in warm things. I mean, these are simple examples that goes into much more detail at a, a level of uh, illness and, and getting people better. But essentially, there is a way of diagnosing someone's constitution and then working out what are the best foods, exercises, relationships, and, and plants 
that that they can include. So that that you know the language of nature is really the language of energetics. Things are either hot or cold, they're wet or dry, they're heavy or light, and you, we, we can experience those different um, uh, realities, if you like, of of health through what we eat and and how we live. That is very fascinating. And I guess modern medicine, if you like, is kind of catching up with that in a way because we're becoming more customized. We're seeing DNA and genetic testing, for example, which is enabling personalized medication, whether it's personalized you know, vitamins and nutrient supplements or personalized medical you know, prescribed drugs that will work for some people with a certain genetic profile and not others. And I guess in a way, this is what you're saying has been working um, on perhaps a less sort of clinical environment because we are all different and we all will adapt and respond differently to what's around us and, and how it, our interfaces mm. perhaps with plants. We all, we all need, you know, bespoke diets. We all exercise differently. We have different sleep requirements. And the, the expertise that herbalists have is that they have this traditional knowledge, scientifically verified as well, if you like, that there is a, a way that you can step into your best health, if you like. And through making regular micro interventions of, of nudging you towards your best health through, you know, supporting your digestion, sleep, energy, all the things that we find crucial every day, that is the way to optimize your potential. And that's what, that's what herbalism does to you. You can do that on your own simple level through, you know, chamomile tea or ginger or, you know, adding spices to your food. There's a more general approach, which is totally fine as well. But as you get to be more specific and you want to refine how you can be at your best, then you need to understand your your blueprint, if you like, your constitution and, and to work out what are the best, the best foods, exercise and herbs for you. I love that. I love that concept of micro nudging. I think we can all perhaps manage a little bit of that. Now, it's something that I'm hearing a lot about in the world of supplements, certainly at the moment, which I'm sure you're going to be uh, uh, fascinating to, to talk to about, is the world of adaptogens. And this seems to fit very neatly in what you're saying about how we're all different and we can all adapt and use plants in, in different ways. Can you talk a little bit about exactly what adaptogens are and, and how they work? Um, adaptogens are this um, concept, in a way, that has, uh, science has become aware of, um, you know, back in the end of the 1960s and 70s, of, of looking at how we respond to different stresses. And the idea being that in, in an acute situation, we can react very quickly, we can alert, be alert to that danger and respond to it appropriately. All the necessary mechanisms, blood pressure, energy release happening in our body. Um, but what happens when we're exposed to stresses for a very long time is that adaptive uh, mechanism in our body to deal with the stress wears out. And we end up uh, leading into a state of you know, chronic stress and exhaustion. And what is found out was that certain plants and, and ways of living helped us to extend that ability to endure stress. So it's like plants like ginseng, ashwagandha, shatavari that we can talk about. They've been shown to help extend our, our ability to deal with the stress 
and also expand our capacity for, for dealing with more more stress. Um, and so they're used in a way to rejuvenate our system and give our, our um, adrenal system, our uh, nervous system, our inflammatory responses, a way of not becoming tired, if you like, and keeping at optimum performance. So, I mean, I, I couldn't talk very long about adaptogens without <laughs> mentioning ashwagandha. <laughs> Because it is. Ashwagandha, I, I definitely want to talk to you about that. But are we saying then that adaptogen, as its name implies, is an adapting herb or plant that can adapt to what we need? So this is the bit that I often struggle getting my head around, that if I have a herbal extract that is going to make me feel energized because I'm needing a bit of a pick me up. But at the same time, it can kind of adapt to my own body. And that if I'm really feeling like calming down and de-stressing, it will also do that, that the, the same thing will adapt to what my body needs. Um, it, it's, it's maybe the, you know, the other way around in a way is that the, the plants are just supporting your body to do what it's trying to do anyway. You know, that's the nature of health is that our body's always seeking that sort of homeostatic balance, if you like. And the the compounds in the plants, the some of them are alkaloids, are different sort of semi-steroidal compounds. They will feed, if you like, our um, our neurological, our, our adrenal stress system, so that it can respond better. So it's got more reserve in it. It's like it tops up your energy bank account, if you like. But we we need to be a little bit careful with the language, and it's understandable that. You know, sometimes we want a, a pick-me-up. And does that mean we want a burst of energy or we want more enduring and constant energy? And, um, you know, some plants are more stimulating. For example, you know, green tea or coffee, you know, they, they've got an immediate stimulating effects, whereas some give you more enduring, uh, grounded energy. And so you do need to choose the right adaptogens. So within them, you know, Ginseng is the most stimulating of the adaptogens and is probably there for people that have got more tiredness and coldness. Ashwagandha is better if people are, are getting more tired, perhaps from not sleeping so well and things like this. It, it helps to normalize your sleep patterns and gives you gives you energy by helping you rest better, if that makes sense. You know, it's like it, Very it's not a stimulant in that sense. And then there's herbs like rhodiola. Um, Siberian ginseng, you know, all these plants, they grow in extreme climates. They're having to survive in either ashwagandha grows in very dry, arid, hot conditions. You know, ginseng grows in, in rhodiola as well, you know, up, in the, you know, up to the Arctic Circle, you know, getting down to minus wherever it goes, 30 or 40. So um, this ability for the plants to survive in these extreme conditions is said to give them compounds that helps them um, support their future reproductive potential to spread their genes, but also so they stay healthy in these environments. And these storial compounds come into us and there's like a, well, it's, you know, there's many ways they work. It's either like a sort of lock and key system that some of the compounds in the herbs turn on, a, uh, you know, sort of open a door, if you like, in our body, or they interact with our microbiome. And that's really probably one of the most interesting areas in herbal research at the minute is how the plant compounds we're talking about, these energetics of the plants, are interfacing with our microbiome. 
that we know is this hugely diverse representation of yeah biodiversity and nature really we have this incredible diversity within us and 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 it's this cross talk it's as it's called um that is what makes the adaptogen support us completely fascinating and as you probably know I've, I've written a lot about gut health over the years and you know it is everything all roads <laughs> seem to lead back to the microbiome you know whoever I'm talking to whatever area of, of health fitness well-being medical interventions any of those disciplines everything now seems to to come back to the microbiome are there particular herbal extracts or plants that you as a herbalist would be looking at with interest for the microbiome support yes and you know, it's interesting you talk about the microbiome, everybody coming back to it. I mean, in Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, you know, the Western herbal tradition, you know, the digestion is the root of all treatments. So, you know, these basic principles of health are well embedded in our tradition. And so they were way ahead of us. Oh, in Ayurveda, the focus on agni, it's called, and the, the agni means the digestive fire related to our word ignite. And so, the, you know, the science of Ayurveda really holds a lot of um, insight regarding which plants to go to for helping our digestive fire, ergo our, our, our microbiome. So, you know, the ubiquitous golden uh, herb turmeric has been shown to be a, a, a booster of uh, the positive bacteria in our digestive tract, for example. So many, many of the plants um, that some of the polyphenols in plants are, are shown to feed the, the beneficial uh, bacteria and and that you know the, the beneficial bacteria get increased but they also break down some of the polyphenols curcuminoids they break them down and, and turn them into other compounds and if you get this sort of cascade it's like a whole conversation then goes on um, so of course ginger as well is a favorite one um, you know I think you know as, as you and your your guests uh, listeners must know, you know, it's the diversity in one's diet that really adds to a healthy microbiome. Professor Tim Spector's work, and uh, including, you know, including lots of herbs as an addition to your diet, I think is one of the simplest and cheapest things you can do to improve your health, because it, it makes your food taste better, it helps you digest it better, and it, it gives you, you know, I think we are all suffering from a herbal deficiency syndrome. There's this nature deficiency syndrome. You know, you know, it's difficult for me to separate my enthusiasm and passion for it from my objectivity. But I think you know the 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 tradition and the science point to that in a way that we we you know, there's good evidence showing there are inverse relationships between the you know quantities of spices in people's diets and um, continuation into you know diabetes, heart disease, uh, potentially other 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 more long term issues as well. So all the great, all the great herbs for all the great herbs for the digestion will be good for the microbiome as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I think that's a really fascinating way of, of pushing at a, a herbal deficiency syndrome and how very simple, you know, to put these things back into our diets and into our daily lives. Now, for those who are listening in real time, we are, of course, at the beginning of January of 2022. And here in the UK, it's damp, it's grey, it's cold. There are colds and coughs and flu bugs, as well as, uh, you know, Omicron circulating around us. What herbs are going to be helpful for us, particularly during this time, if we're looking at helping to support our immunity? Well, you know, the most important thing is to look after your general health. You know, you want to keep the integrity of your tissues at an optimum level so that any bacteria, viruses have less chance of taking hold. I mean, that's one thing we can try and do. Of course, you know, nothing's guaranteed in that sense. But the in terms of the integrity of the mucous membranes and keeping them healthy, certain plants uh, that we have in abundance in, in Europe, like elderberry, for example, has um, got lots of very good research on it as a winter uh, respiratory tonic because it's got a whole load of um, colorful pigments and uh, compounds that are known to interact i'm not saying with covid per se uh, but with other viruses and to disengage them in a way preventing their proliferation in the respiratory system so elderberry is always a favorite you know it tastes good it's safe for everybody you know ginger throughout the 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 winter season you were beautifully describing the, the language of energetics there, Liz, when you're talking about, you know, Britain being cold, damp, wet, you know. And then if we if you have a diet that's heavy in, I don't know, mucus forming foods of sugar and you know, too much potentially, you know, starchy grains, processed food, then your your mucous membranes obviously get more increase in some of these sticky substances and become, uh, you know, potentially less resilient. And so. Um, yeah, making sure you keep your metabolic fire, your digestive fire going with suitable amount of spices is good. Cinnamon is another great one at this time of year, so you can easily include. Oh, cinnamon, yes. 
very interesting. I was reading reports that showed that during the great Spanish flu epidemic, the people who worked in the cinnamon factories bringing the mm. quills that came over from India and grinding them up into cinnamon powder, which became so hugely popular um, in, in the early part of the last century, were very protected against Spanish flu and, and they were sort of noted for not having succumbed, which I that thought was is, fascinating. I've never heard that. Amazing. I mean, you know, the many volatile oils and cinnamaldehyde in, in uh, cinnamon that could well be implicated there. And I've actually heard the same thing, you know, it's quite a few years ago now, um, in, our, in the projects uh, uh, that we have in India, uh, growing Tulsi, which is holy basil. And it's it's a very aromatic plant, member of the mint family, and we've got these sort of drying, uh, quite simple uh, drying sheds in, in the villages where we grow it. And um, it, the the community there, they all say they oh they've been getting you know ill much less from these volatile oils that they're breathing in all the time. So it's you know surround yourself in you know you can do things like that. You know we don't all have you know herb farms on our back door, but you can you know aromatizing essential oils. I think is a really good thing to do, uh, going back to your question about the winter. And also, um, you know, doing steam inhalation, I think is a fantastic thing to do at this time of year. If you've, you know, had to travel and been around lots of people or, you know, been to an event and whatever, someone might have been ill, then doing steam inhalation is really good because um, it immediately, you know, cleanses your respiratory passages. So how would you do that practically? Talk us through doing a steam inhalation to help the, support the immune system. Um, well, you know, you, you uh, would, you know, boil a kettle. Find a nice bowl and fill the fill the bowl up with a uh, hot water. And get a towel that you put over the bowl. Um, find somewhere you know safe and comfy to sit. And then you, you lift up the towel and, and put your head under this steaming bowl of hot water. You don't you know you need to leave it for a couple of minutes so it's not freshly freshly hot off the boil. And if you want, you can add some essential oil. So it's a sort of like lavender. Um, gentle oil like that or you know if you happen to have a cold or something then the more sort of aromatic opening plants perhaps like uh, eucalyptus uh, might be used and it's a good, good practice to do anyway I mean along with you know doing pranayama breathing practice you know all, all of these things I think go back to the basics you know how to help your body do what it's trying to do anyway and, and adjusting that moment to moment so you know you sort of think it's it's a good practice to have in the winter to do it once or twice a week brilliant I've, i remember talking to a herbalist years ago who said that if i was coming down with a cough or a cold or sore throat or chest infection to do exactly that and, and to throw in a few drops of eucalyptus essential oil and then to take time to both breathe through my mm. nose so i would be absorbing those aromatic compounds and the little tiny essential oil particles if you like through the nose and the nasal passages but also to breathe through my mouth and to almost sort of swallow this this mm. antiseptic steam vapor so that it would go right down through the airways and and, and the different sort of pipes and tubes going down into the lungs and, and have an activity there that could be very cleansing and supportive you know excellent improvement on what i was saying you're absolutely right you know make sure you get those the oils and the hot warm air into all those places it needs to get to um because it is you know it's very physical in a sense isn't it these compounds that are in plants you can smell them when you go outside you know and when you're inhaling them they, they go directly into you and and contact your your tissues and again it's this conversation you know it's about this whole relationship uh, dialogue and conversation with nature that you can you know 
embed yourself in sort of wherever you are in the world in a way, you know, however, however your life is. Well, talking about that conversation, you not only have all your time as a medical herbalist and as a researcher and with Pucker, but you've also got this amazing website, which I'd love to talk about and direct people to called herbalreality.com which is so informative. I mean, I, I've you know, lost myself down many a, a deep dive on, on your pages there, linking health and herbalism and completely fascinating, the research and the, the quality of the contributors there. What are some of the most popular features that you've got on that site at the moment? I imagine a lot of them are to do with immunity, are they? Thanks, Liz. That's really great to hear. Um, exactly. People coming and looking for areas either in simple self-care. Um, so things that are always popular around uh, sleep, um, uh, anxiety, how to manage some of the natural pressures that build up in life. And then, of course, over the winter and more recently in the pandemic, immunity, some of the, the ways of looking after yourself, and then digestion. Um, and, and and women's health always always features highly as well because of the uh, special requirements and interest women have in health as well. So it's you know I'm so fortunate with it. We've got so many great writers, and there there is so much talent in the the professional clinical herbal community. And I, I I started it really because I really felt it it wasn't out there enough the the conversation around clinical herbalism. And so um, it's, it's it's been really enjoyable doing it. And you know it's it's to face into some of the challenging areas as well. You know, there's a lot of issues in sustainability in the herbal uh, network, a lot of issues in quality as well, and making sure that it's a suitable standard and also of accurate information. And so that's that's why I yeah. wanted to do it. Well, hats, hats off to you. And as, as my listeners and audience know, we, you know, we are very much evidence-based here and with fads and trends and myths, and especially in areas that can be harder perhaps to regulate. I was very interested. You've, you've got a very interesting piece up on botanical drugs and supplements that may be safe and useful for COVID-19. And it's interesting, some of the herbs that you talk about there, things that I've known about for the immune system for a long time, and I'm sure many of my listeners have, things like echinacea, and you actually take apart how ingredients, how some of the compounds in a plant like echinacea can help elderberry of course which we've talked about earlier um south african geranium which has got extraordinary sort of immunostimulant activity attached to it and then of course we get onto the yeah. the medical mushrooms the med the medicinal fungi which are also i mean we my goodness we could talk for hours about those alone couldn't we i mean these are really fascinating substances that have all been shown in some way to have some potential benefit I, I think there is definitely a, a case to be made, and there are quite a few uh, species, I think elderberry, andrographis, uh, some of the mushrooms that are in clinical trials at the minute. Um, you know, it's in terms of protection, I think that they, they definitely are, are something that's worthy of inclusion. You know, in terms of treatment, you know, it's, it's very early days in terms of having an evidence base for some of these plants specifically against uh, COVID. Um, but there is a you know long tradition of uh, us, unfortunately, as humans, having to face you know epidemics, pandemics, and so there is there is a knowledge base there in the tradition, and it, and it looks like many of these species 
are showing you know plausible mechanisms of of working and should uh, you know i think it would be great wouldn't it if there could be a progression over this next year towards a more holistic approach to the way we're addressing the the the, the you know, global health crisis that we're facing not just because of covid but because of other areas around mental health um, diabetes and things like that that a lot of these plants work towards but it, it wouldn't it be great that out of this depressing time in lots of ways that we had a more integrative approach where some of this wisdom could be included uh, that is accessible and affordable and no, no reason why you can't have the best of both worlds. I completely agree and I think that this time has been a time of awakening for a lot of people actually to say how can I better improve my metabolic health how can I maintain a healthy weight? We know that obesity mm -hmm. is such an enormous risk factor for people who succumb to, to the worst effects of COVID. And we know that, you know, what we eat is, is driving a huge amount of our immune response, our gut health, our mental health. How do we better protect that? And of course, I think looking at that from all angles, whether we're looking at it from a fitness perspective, physical fitness, and from including more plants and looking at the activities of natural substances around us is uh, is just an extraordinary thing. I've, I've learned so much in the last 18 months specifically on supplements that can help support the immune system, for example, looking at nutrients, looking at you know vitamins and minerals that I would never even have known about or let alone considered before all this. So that, that there are benefits, I think, as people do wake up to becoming a little bit more inquisitive, perhaps. I think you're right. So it's, you know, it's a very uh, you know, rich and rewarding world to explore. And so I definitely encourage the, the people to gem up on which plants they think are best for themselves. But you know, ultimately, you want to go and see a herbalist. You know, that's the best right. way. You know, you take your car and we all take our yes. car to the garage or whatever, our pet to the vet. You know, we go and see the doctor. You know, herbalists are the people with this with this privileged knowledge, really, um, of, you know, thousands of years of insight. And in the UK, there are about 4,000 herbalists um, and they're, they're, they're active and ready and, you know, open to support people, really. And, and, and it's their, you know, there, there are other health practices as well other health traditions that are valuable to see but that's the best way to find out which plants are best for you and um, if you want to find a herbalist how would you suggest going about it well you there are a few different ways you can look on herbal reality under the resources section and um, uh, there is also a, an organization called the herbal alliance and that's herbalalliance.uk and that has a list of all the practitioner organizations in the uk and you can find someone there and are herbalists classified according to whether they follow Ayurvedic or Chinese or, um, you know, Western herbalism? Do you have to sort of make a choice or, or is it quite common to find somebody like yourself that works across all those disciplines? Uh, a, a bit of a bit of both, Liz, really. There are some people that just focus specifically on their, you know, Western Chinese or Ayurvedic tradition and some people integrate more. But all traditions use herbs from all around the world. So everyone, you know, as we were talking about at the beginning, you know, everyone's using licorice and ginger and turmeric. They fit into all the traditions. But there is a, a slightly different lens, as we were talking earlier, to, that they look through. So on the site, you can see they are classified by Chinese or Ayurvedic or Western. And what about people who are listening who are thinking, well, that's all very well, but I hear a lot about the dangers of herbs and herbal remedies and how are these going to interact perhaps with any medication that i might be taking all the more reason to 
sheer herbalist, really, I think, to get that professional opinion um, and, you know, and, and to discuss it with your doctor as well, if you've been given medication, of course. I, it's difficult to answer that in a succinct way because it's such a, a, a biased view in the sense that uh, the, the risks and the dangers of plants are, are so minimal, you know, in terms of severe toxicological events versus the volume of, you know, the millions of kilos of plants that are used. It is it is very minimal, but there are of course risks as well. And you're very right to to bring it up that we you know we should all be aware about making sure we're using plants that are you know safely manufactured, that are sustainable, and you know you know the source basically. It, it is not the clearest world in, in in a sense that there are you know from a public point of view there are quite a few tiers of whether something's a food, a food supplement, or a medicine. And, and there are different claims that can go along with that. Basically, proceed with caution, I'd say, and you know, work with companies that have either got you know some organic certification, some fair trade certification. You know, they 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 clearly promote the quality work they do and knowing their sources or or their or, or, or the standards they comply with. Um, that would that would be the best thing. Um, and, and, and perhaps not be guided by price. I mean, I know a lot of people, for example, if they get it into their heads, well, I'm going to go and get some ashwagandha or I'm going to go and get some turmeric. You go online, you find the cheapest option. And actually, when you look at those companies, they don't seem to have the background of knowledge, you know, the breadth. I mean, for example, if I go to your website or if I go to Pucker, you know, I can see the heritage there and and there is a trust you know, implied in in your length of time and and the way that you um you, you put out all your information and your knowledge, and that is really what we're buying, aren't we? You know, it's kind of just don't be guided by price. And I think there are a lot of people who work in the supplement world who would say the same thing. It can be for some people less scrupulous, just a way to to make a quick buck. They shove a bit of you know unidentified powder into a capsule and sell it, and you're not quite sure what you're getting. That, that you know there, there are there are issues there you're right so you know make sure you feel that it's coming from a trusted supply and it's the same with food isn't it or clothes unfortunately you know if you if you do buy the cheapest and i know these things cost money but it's about how you're prioritizing your spend you know you're you're not going to get the best and it and it won't be contributing probably to the sustainable and green environment you want as well so i i, I would support that view entirely um, but generally you know they're, they are. They've got a good safety record. We've got quite a bit of information on um, uh, on herbal reality, um, but like anything, you have to use things in the right dosage. You know, they are more concentrated. Of course, you do. You know, yeah, only, it's, it's uh, like everything, isn't it? It's a dose-related risk for for everything. And I think we're kind of quite used to the fact that if we buy a packet of paracetamol, it comes with a, a huge contraindications and warnings and healthcare information in tiny print and a leaflet that usually goes straight into the bin and we don't read every word of it. And yet if you take even just a few extra tablets, you know, you can cause yourself some serious liver damage. So but we kind of they seem to accept that as as an acceptable risk. And then if, if 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 we hear about an adverse reaction from from somebody who's taken a ridiculously large quantity of a particular herb, then it's it's you know is blown up in in perhaps in a way that we don't have that blown up in the same way with with a conventional medicine. There, there is there is a bit of that you know it's sort of understood that there's lots of side effects with conventional medicine. You sort of take it on the chin in a way, whereas in in herbalism, perhaps because it's 
you know, is it a less mature industry in a way? It's, you know, had a lot less investment and support over the last hundred years and has been alienated in lots of ways. And it's, you know, there's a wave coming back of, from the people demanding more access to plants, really. And that's that feels, you know, very exciting as a shift in healthcare moves from uh, a sort of purely doctor-patient relationship to a more empowered citizen position where you're 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 learning and, and taking care of, of your health yourself so you know on herbal reality we've got all the safety information about herbs listed in the monograph so you know that, that's that's a place where we could start learning and educating oneself about definitely it. i mean I, I highly recommend it and i'll make sure that we put all the links to that in our in our podcast notes and on our social media as well after this but i guess ultimately you know you talk about taking control for ourselves should we then be growing our own herbs are there simple things that we could be doing in our own environments be it a garden or even just a window box i think so i think you know you want to have as much of nature around us as possible isn't it so that we stay connected and there are very simple things you can grow i mean you know we haven't even mentioned any of our uh, sort of more european herbs like you know thyme rosemary of course those can all be grown in window boxes and can be drunk as a tea or sprinkled in your food um things like lemon balm chamomile they're they're very straightforward to grow in the in the summer in a window box so um you know also the you know growth in allotments and people growing their own veg i think we should take this you know the health movement of food as a continuum into the the rest of the plant world if you like and how can that contribute as well and they're great to have in your garden that's for sure they will they smell good and taste good Brilliant. Sebastian, we're going to have to end there. I Seriously, I knew at the beginning of this recording that we could literally go on for hours. I'd love you to come back and talk more specifically about some of these things that we've just touched on. I know everyone's going to find this completely fascinating. And I just hope that everything that you're doing continues to grow and amplify and uh, that Herbal Reality continues to flourish. It's, it's an amazing website. It's a great resource. Really huge congratulations to you. And I, I would suggest highly that everybody goes and checks it out and, and has a good look around it. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Liz. I've loved, loved speaking with you. Take care. Thank you. Oh, also very interesting, don't you think? And you'll find the links to all Sebastian mentioned here over on the Lizard Wellbeing website, as well as many of our own articles and features relating to the therapeutic properties of so many of the powerful herbs and spices that Sebastian mentioned here, not least the powerful winter wonders, ginger, turmeric, and many more besides. Well, that is just about it for this week. As always, do please keep your comments coming into us. We love reading them and responding. You will find us on all the usual social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and more. Newly on TikTok, of course, if that's your go-to choice. And I am looking forward to being back in your ears again next week for another generous dose of well-being wisdom. Until then, go well. Bye-bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.